You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. They don't want to vacuum the carpets. They don't want to be a door greeter. They don't want to clean the toilets. Amen. But let me tell you something. Uh, David was on the backside of the desert. Amen. Uh, and he was tending the sheep, one of the lowliest uh, positions that you could have in that culture at that time. And God looked down at a shepherd boy that was faithful to his duties. And God promoted him to king because he was faithful. Never underestimate the significance of the smallest task of serving God. Did you know our loving Heavenly Father has a plan for each and every one of us? It might be easier to agree with that statement than it is to know the specifics about God's calling for us. Pastor Gary will show us today that in order for us to be right for the revival and calling that God has for us, we need to be faithful in serving as we wait on the Lord. God's plan isn't as much a destination we reach, but a journey, a process that He works in us to accomplish His will on earth, as it is in heaven. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of James chapter 5 for today's edition of True North. If you only knew uh, what God would do for you, if you'd just give it all to Him, it would blow your mind. But why are we so long and stubborn at waiting uh, and to putting it off till tomorrow? God wants us to repent. This word right means to be brought to perfection and growth uh, or to the best state. It means mature. And listen to this definition. It means fit for use. Fit for use. I said earlier, while we're waiting on God, God is waiting on us. I want you to know something. God wants to use you but he doesn't want to pluck you green he wants you to be fit for the kingdom amen he wants you to be fit for his service and so many times that what delays that process of being used of God is not that God is delaying his coming to us but that we are delaying our coming to God Because the Bible says if we will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. Another way to put that is he'll meet you halfway. Amen. Uh, And I'll even go so far as to say this. If you can't go halfway, but you can turn in your heart, he'll come all the way. He'll meet you where you're at. God wants you fit for use in his kingdom, but he's waiting on you. And uh, many today... uh, they, 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 want a, they want a spot or a position uh, of influence in the church, but they don't want to pay the price uh, that, that is required, the price uh, of uh, patience that, call, uh, that produces maturity in their life. And it would do us all some good to learn how to let the Lord mold us and shape us and make us and prepare us and use us. And I tell you, when God gets ready to put you into position, He knows when you're ready and He knows when you're not ready. That's exactly right. Many a year did I serve uh, under another pastor. It was near about seven years uh, as a, an, an associate pastor. And boy, I wanted to pastor a church. Don't you know I did? <laughs> but you know what? God said, you're not ready. 
I had a pastor call me about midway through that season in my ministry. We were struggling financially. Surprise. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I mean, you got five kids. What you going to do? You're going to struggle, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, and I got a call from a pastor in Tennessee. He said, we got a, a house. We got five bedrooms, three baths. We got a salary. All we need you to do is show up and start doing the, uh, the youth ministry. And boy, that sounded good to me. I was ready to go until I went to the prayer closet and I asked my Lord, what would you have me do? And he said, stay. And I had to turn down an opportunity because the Lord knew more than I knew. I wasn't ready to take on that job. Many times we get in a hurry. We're talking about waiting on the God, but we also get in a hurry, don't we? We want to rush things our way. But God knows when we're really ripe for the spot. Amen. And, and I don't pretend uh, or claim that I am mature enough to be trusted by God. Uh, I just know that he has counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. But it's not my faithfulness. It's his faithfulness. Amen. It's his faithfulness. But I'll say this, if you want to be used of God, he wants to use you as bad as you want him to use you. But he's waiting for you to be ripe for revival. That is fit for use, that is mature, that is ready. But how can we ask a faithful God to use an unfaithful people? One of the greatest signs of maturity for a Christian today is faithfulness. Faithfulness to the work of the Lord. Faithfulness to the smallest assignments. And people, people sweat the small stuff. They say, well, I, I, somebody else can do that. They don't want to vacuum the carpets. They don't want to be a door greeter. They don't want to clean the toilets. Amen. But let me tell you something. Uh, David was on the backside of the desert. Amen. Uh, and he was tending the sheep, one of the lowliest uh, positions that you could have in that culture at that time. And God looked down at a shepherd boy that was faithful to his duties. And God promoted him to king because he was faithful. Never underestimate the significance of the smallest task of serving God. It's a sign of maturity for someone to be faithful to their assignment as small and unrecognizable as it may seem to them. Because while nobody else may be noticing, there's a God in heaven paying close attention. And he wants to prepare you and he wants to use you and I say, if you're not doing anything for God, uh, do something for God. Even if it is cleaning the toilets, amen. Uh, even if somebody's doing it, join in and help them, amen. Uh, but God's wanting you to be, get fit to be used in a greater way, uh, but he can't use you in the greater way till you're faithful in the small things. I'm talking about, are you ripe for revival? I want to submit to you this idea that God is interested in sending our church a heaven-sent revival. God is interested. Why wouldn't he be? What would be the harm of leaving us without revival? I mean, don't you know he came to save sinners? Don't you know he came to heal the sick, uh, to cast out devils, to deliver people? Don't you know uh, that he came for his name to be glorified? Uh, that's what he's all about. Of course he wants to send us a revival. But who's he waiting on? He's waiting on us to repent. He's waiting on us to mature. So while we're waiting on him, he's waiting on us. But the second thing you need to know is it's not the other person's fault. I know this ain't alliterated, but it's what the Holy Ghost gave me. It's not the other 
person's fault. I know when we get to preaching about revival, there's some of us that automatically go to think, well, if so-and-so wouldn't run their mouth so much, we'd have a revival. <laughs> or if so-and-so wouldn't do this, or if so-and-so wouldn't do that, or if we didn't have this problem, if we didn't, and we have our list of reasons why the church ain't doing anything. And usually it's everybody else on the list but ourselves. And God wants me to tell you that it's not the other person's fault. I'm in the text. Look at your verse, verse 9. Grudge not one against another. If you look up that word grudge, I know that's the King James translation. The original meaning of the Greek word is to sigh or to murmur or to pray inaudibly with grief against someone. Have you ever looked at somebody and just... Rolled your eyes, sighed, and walked away. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, those are usually the kind of people that we blame for a church not being vibrant. When are we going to quit blaming it on the person that's so noticeably irritable and start blaming it on ourselves for not being able to be mature enough to overlook those things? Amen. If you was paying attention to your walk with God, you wouldn't notice that they was out of sorts so much. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. He said, hey, better be careful how you start judging your brothers because as soon as you do, the Holy Ghost is going to say, <clears throat> what about you? <laughs> amen. Y'all ever been there? Say amen with me. And uh, this is the kind of preaching we need to force us to look at ourselves in the mirror of God's word and to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. Amen. It's not the other person's fault. There's a little song, I can't sing it. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Amen. It's not my daddy, not my mama, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Can I say this? It's not my preacher, it's not my deacon, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. And for me, it's not my deacon board, it's not my church members, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If every one of us took full responsibility for our own walk with God, so much pettiness would completely be eliminated from our churches. Pettiness, Leonard Ravenhill said this, we chase mice while lions devour the land. At the end of the day, the things we fuss about and get tripped up over don't make one eternal hill of difference whatsoever. It's just temporal. It's just selfish or petty. We got to look at the big picture. Why are we here? We're here to, we're, I mean, we're in an army for heaven's sake. We're not in a nursery. Amen. We can't just wear our feelings on our shoulders and quit at the first sign of trouble or at the first offense. Amen? Onward, Christian soldier. We are soldiers. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? It's going to be tough sometimes. So let's remember that it's not the other person's fault that we're not having revival. While you're busy telling God why it's the other person's fault, God is bringing to your attention the matters of your heart that you have ignored or, or have been ignorant of or stubborn about. Amen. My last point. Here you go. 
Don't think this is going to be easy. Look at verse 10 of our text. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. There's going to be some suffering involved. There's going to be some cost, some personal sacrifice associated with serving God. I've been thinking a lot lately about the man that found that field. Amen. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like to a man that found a field and found a treasure in it. Then he went and sold everything that he had and went and bought that field with joy. And here's my thought on that. It's not going to cost you something to serve God. It's going to cost you everything. Nothing is off the table for God if you really want to follow him. Everything is his. Nothing is mine. And if you're his, nothing is yours. It's all up for grabs for our king and our Lord. And if he sends us into hostile territory to do an assignment, whether we come back successful or whether we bleed out and die, so be it. Because the Bible says, he that findeth his life shall lose it. But he that loseth his life for my sake in the gospel, the same shall find it. So don't think it's going to be easy. James 5.11 said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. We don't often equate the word endurance with happiness, do we? But I think it's not so much the uh, enjoying the pain as much as it is enjoying the results of the pain. Enjoying the consequences of serving God. Amen. The word endure means to bear the load with fortitude. But so many of us, we get under the load of ministry. We get broadsided. We got, get hit by something we didn't see coming. And we're so quick to just drop the load and to get out from under and say, well, that's for somebody else. I'm gone. See you, preacher. And the Bible says those who are happier, those who endure, those who bear the load with fortitude. If we are the hands and feet of Jesus, then where are our scars? Or have we tried to avoid being crucified? Have we tried to adapt to this doctrine of devils called false prosperity gospel preaching that teaches us that the road to heaven should be easy and light? Or have we done what Jesus said to do is take up our cross and follow him? God would not ever, somebody once said, well, I don't go uh, where I'm resented, I go where I'm celebrated. Well, bless your heart, sweet honey. If Jesus adopted your philosophy of ministry, he'd have never went to the cross. And we'd have never been redeemed. No, he'll send us sometimes right into the midst of adversity. Right up into the midst of hardship. That's why it's important for preachers. If there's any preachers listening to me this morning, thou therefore endure. That's why it's important. You can't just run at the first sight of trouble. Stick it out. Tough it out. Until God's done with you, stand your ground and let God use you. Amen. God will fight your battles if you learn how to take your hands off of them. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be possible. You have heard of the patience of Job and have been seen the end of the Lord. What is that saying? I'm going to explain it to you real quick. The word end means goal, purpose, or aim. Amen. Uh, uh, you have seen the patience or heard the patience of Job, seen the end or the goal, purpose, and aim of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful or full of pity and, and of tender mercy. In other words, if you'll follow Job's story all the way to the end, 
What did God do for him? He brought restoration, didn't he? See, God's ultimate goal is to bless you. But there's a journey between here and there that's going to cost you something. And any church that wants to have an impact in their community and see God send a revival, it's going to cost us time in prayer. It's going to cost us uh, investing our time, treasure, and talents in the work of the Lord. It's going to cost us a commitment to an assignment or a job or a task or a calling. It's going to require faithfulness. It's going to require determination. And you can't just get discouraged because the numbers are low. And you can't get discouraged because somebody said something off color to you after church about your preacher. Amen. You can't get discouraged and think, oh, well, this ain't, I didn't think it will last. This was too sounded too good to be true. And look at it. It's done gone to pot. And the devil will fill you full of doubt and worry and anxiety and you'll quit and you'll give up on revival because the devil threw sand in your eyes and it's going to take some endurance and patience 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 Deuteronomy 8 3 says he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know and here's the reason he suffered that he might make thee know that man doeth not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doeth man live what God did for his children there in the testing in the wilderness is he stripped them down to nothing but his word to teach them that his word was enough and so many times we want to prop up God's word with our ideas and prop up God's word with our mantras and our ideology and our suggestions. And, and at the end of the day, our opinion is not what matters most. It's the, what the God said that matters most. A lot of times we try to dazzle it up and we're like Moses. We, God says, speak to the rock and we hit the rock. We put our little flair into it. We put our little twist of expression into it. We think we're going to make it better than what God said. And, and Moses forfeited the promised land personally because he did something different than what God told him. Because the word of God, like unleavened bread, doesn't need your fluff to make it work. A lot of times all we have is fluffy Christianity. It's full of fluff, full of the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. Full of men's ideas and men's uh, promotions and, and, uh, and all these things that we try to do that we call church. But really, Christianity is real basic. It's simply following Jesus, loving God and loving each other. Amen? Don't think it's going to be easy. Sometimes God will send you on a forced fast. A season of lack deliberately to teach you how to find your source at his feet. And I want to say this, you can't rush a move of God, but you sure can hold it back. When the church goes to praying like we have, God send revival, God reach the lost. There ain't no wonder we're getting fought on every angle. Amen. There ain't no wonder we're having so many hardships in the church. This is real spiritual warfare. It's a fight. And what God's looking for is some people that'll persevere and some people that'll stick with it. 
Amen. And when you go down and you get back up again and dust your seat off and go on for God. Amen. We get it under the blood and keep moving. Don't let things sidestep you. Don't let things distract you. Don't let things pull you away from God's best and brightest purpose for your life. You just decide, ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Uh, amen. And, and you sing the song, uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Are you ripe for revival? Are you fit and mature and ready? Look at our verse one more time. Verse 7 of our opening text. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Watch this. Until he receive, notice the word receive, the early and latter rain. Now, closing with this thought. Imagine, if you will, I assume this floor is made out of a concrete pad. Would I be correct? Okay. Imagine if you would, this church is gone, but the concrete pad is here, just open, exposed to the elements. Reckon you'd grow any grass or garden on that hard concrete? No, you wouldn't, would you? Because it's so hard that it can't, first of all, it's not soft, fertile soil. But secondly, the ground beneath can't receive the rain because there's a hardness, a layer of hardness over the top of it that keeps it from receiving the rain. And producing fruit. Sometimes our hearts can be so hard. We can be so full of bitterness and anger and resentment that we, our hearts are like so hardened soil, like rocky soil that can't receive the water of God's word. And the Bible's teaching us that that we are to receive the rain. What, what could the rain be better illustrated as in practical terminology for a church than the preaching of God's word under the unction of the spirit? Is not the word of God typified as the water of life? When we preach the word, it's like rain from heaven. When it's preached right, right? Are you with me so far? How can we then expect a harvest from God in our lives if we... Don't receive the rain from heaven in our hearts. And I'm talking about really receive it. I'm not talking about believe it. I'm not talking about say, amen, preacher. I agree with that. That's good preaching. <laughs> it's like the old country preacher in the hills of Carolina that was preaching on, uh, uh, preaching on, uh, uh, oh, what's that scripture? It talked about uh, your, your body is uh, the temple of the Lord. Y'all remember that scripture? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says it for us not to defile the temple. He was preaching on not defiling the temple. And there was a cigarette smoker in the back of that tent meeting with that cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Preach it, preacher, preach it. <laughs> oh, he could shout with the best of them. But while he was doing it, he was destroying the temple. Receiving the word is not agreeing with the word. It's allowing the word to get in you until it starts coming out of you. Are you porous enough to receive all that God has for you? And when the church can receive the word from heaven for the hour, one church service at a time, amen, one devotion at a time in your private walk, anytime the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whether it be through me or somebody else or just the Holy Spirit and you and God, anytime God speaks, are your, is your heart open and receptive to that word to the degree that you're willing to go through the necessary changes to let that word become real in your life and practical. If you are, 
then you're ripe for revival. If you're not, then you got some work to do. Amen. Are you ripe for revival? When we receive the showers of heaven's word for our parched souls, only then will there be a heaven-sent harvest. But there is no program that we can implement that will carry the kind of weight necessary for God to send revival if our hearts are not right with Him. Today's teaching is coming to an end, but you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Here at True North, we encourage all of our listeners to dive into Scripture regularly on your own. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to guide your reading and reveal God's truth to you. Thanks for joining Pastor Gary Cottle today for True North. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new edition. If you'd like to learn more about True North or Pastor Gary, visit GaryCottle.com. Would you like to plan a visit to worship and study the Bible with Pastor Gary? You can find all the information you need about where he pastors and how you can visit at GaryCottle.com. If you're not in the area, we do encourage you to find and begin attending a Bible-teaching church near you. Find a family of faith that you can invest in and who will encourage you in your own walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or would like to find out how you can support Gary Cottle Ministries and True North, please reach out to Pastor Gary. He can be reached at contact at GaryCottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on True North.